Well, good morning. Um, just one thing uh, I want to let you know, and that is that our new restrooms are open. No mirrors, no mirrors, so you can't uh, look at yourself afterwards unless you do it with your phone or something like that. But they will be in. Everything will be, be uh, done, finished, completed this week. And so I do want to also announce that next Sunday, just, just as we started, I was thinking about this, because as Modesto, uh, earlier this morning, he, you know, he, was, he was saying everything was going to be done, and um, I was uh, wanting to, of course, celebrate what the Lord has, has done. And it's all for a purpose. It's, it's not just, uh, as I said from the very beginning, it's not for, for the sake of our comfort or that we could uh, just enjoy the extra elbow room that we have. Um, but it's so that we could continue to grow um, personally as we come and, and participate in the worship and praise of God, but also that we would participate in the great commission that the Lord has given to us, and that is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that we have been commanded by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to his word. That means that we have more work to do. But we are going to praise God next Sunday. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pray, uh, and this involves everyone. This, this is something, uh, I'm going to share a few words, uh, but it's going to be a time of celebration next Sunday. Um, so a week before, prior to Christmas and the anticipated birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we know that um, there is a, a new work that the Lord is desiring here at Refuge. And so we're going to greatly anticipate uh, what it is that the Lord is doing. Um, there's already evidence of that. Um, immediately as we added more chairs in this direction, the Lord has brought new people in. And so we see evidence of, of his hand moving already. And so I just want to um, announce that. And for anyone who's watching online, uh, come on out in person uh, because it's going to be just a, a wonderful moment to where we recognize, we acknowledge how it is that the Lord is doing this work. And without him... In the midst of it all, without us following his lead, all of this is worthless. It's absolutely empty. And so we want to give him all the praise. And so I would invite you to come out and invite a friend, family, um, neighbor, uh, others. Because as they witness what God is doing here, uh, it's interesting how that testimony um, draws others uh, unto him. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, so <clears throat> that's what we have going on. Uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. That's where we're at this morning. Mark chapter 2. So much is, <clears throat> is happening. It's... Um, it's coming at us at a rapid pace. Um, you think about what's happening, happening uh, as far as our world is concerned, internationally, uh, and also nationally within our own borders. 
uh, we truly see the birth pains and how it is that uh, the Lord, uh, we should have an abundance of signs to know that Jesus is coming soon. And so we need to be well prepared. Um, my heart goes out to those who have experienced loss, the loss of loved ones in the Midwest as the torna uh, tornadoes, I believe, you have ripped through. And I was looking at some aerial photos of what was there and, and what is not there anymore. What looks like uh, basically a, a, a bomb, it looks like a bomb went off and, and just there are neighborhoods, there are businesses um, that were completely destroyed. People who are may still be trapped even right now, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, a lot of lives have been lost. And so uh, we want to keep up uh, those people who are uh, searching and rescuing people in our prayers. We want to keep in our prayers also those family members that have lost loved ones. Uh, we want to uh, keep them up in prayer and, uh, and, and extend that to them, interceding on their behalf. And, uh, but there's so much of that. Um, again, we see how it is that our world is ripe for judgment. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry to say, in one sense, that things are only going to get worse as far as our world is concerned. And that's all according to God's word. Um, but as the days are getting darker, just know that uh, the good news of great joy, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is what offers hope. As, as we declare that, we proclaim that, we're offering that hope that this world is in desperate need of. And so I would encourage you to continue to spread that good news and to lead more people to Christ and uh, to, to point them in the way of Jesus Christ and how it is that he is the answer. Um, he is the only answer uh, to any and all of this. And, uh, and so let's pray for, uh, for those people, and, uh, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, we, wanna, we come to you with, uh, with heavy hearts as far as all of those who have been lost in this tragedy in the Midwest, and, uh, and we want to lift up those who are um, searching um, for a people. Lord, I pray that you would direct them to those who are perhaps even still trapped right now, and, uh, and Lord, that they would get them out safely. We pray for all those who have been injured um, and we pray, Lord, that you would provide for them the medical care they need, and more importantly, that they would know your very presence, that you are there with them, and, uh, and Lord, that they would look to you, trusting in you, and knowing um, you as their Lord and Savior. And we pray for the families that have lost loved ones. Oh, Lord, they, they are grieving right now, and we cannot even imagine uh, the depth of that grief, and yet, Lord, you do. And so we commit them into your hands, Lord. We ask that you would perhaps bring about them people who do know you and would offer perhaps just their very presence, a, a few words that would help them in, in this time to share the love of Christ, and, Lord, that they would be comforted by you in a way that only you can comfort and so be with everyone, Lord, that is suffering at this very moment, especially in that area of our country. 
So we lift them up to you, knowing that you are faithful and you are able to do a mighty and wonderful work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are again in Mark chapter 2. The title of this morning's message is Proof of Authority and Faith That Heals. Proof of Authority and Faith That Heals. We're going to begin by reading the first 12 verses of this chapter, and that is chapter 2. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And this is speaking of Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Oh, Father, there is much that as we see your hand moving and doing things, Lord, we've We should be in amazement, Lord, on a consistent, constant basis, Lord. Amazed that you are moving in such ways and acknowledge, Lord, that it can only be you. Lord, as we just read, there were four men who brought this man who was paralyzed, a friend of theirs. And yet, Lord, they they were bringing this man because they had heard of Jesus who was able to heal infirmities. And yet, initially, you, Lord, did not perform a a healing of his infirmity, of the paralysis that he had endured for much time. But, Lord, you did something that you preferred above physical healing. And that is the healing of the soul. You extended your hand of grace and because of their faith, you forgave them of his sins. Lord, I pray that perhaps we would think about that. How it is that what we come to you with, Lord, we should yield to your will and your purpose and what it is that you desire above all. Because whatever it is, whether it be salvation or 
the humility that perhaps we need to express in surrendering to your will. Lord, that we would be willing to completely accept and surrender to that by your authority, Lord, that we would know that you are good and what you desire for us is good. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us all things that pertain to the word here and that you would teach us in a way that only you can. We thank you for this moment and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I know that it's very difficult to endure physical ailments, uh, disease, physical infirmities that we've endured for many years, perhaps even since birth. In fact, we know even in the Word, as we go through the Bible, we know that as we have perhaps experienced in our own lives or perhaps in the lives of others, we have heard how it is that one can spend their entire savings and more, an entire lifetime just searching for a remedy to the disease. The question is, why is it that we spend so much time and so much money and expend so much effort in trying to be healed and correct something that we've, we are experiencing physically? Perhaps it's because the thought is that after we're healed of this disease or this deformity or physical limitation, that we'll be able to live life to its fullest. Right? I mean, that's the goal. Perhaps a little better will be a little bit more effective. We'll fulfill our purpose of what we have come to know according to our own thoughts and our own desires. Whatever that may mean to either the individual or society at large. It may mean one thing to the world for a person to be healed, but what is most important is learning what it means to God and to learn what is more important to Him. What is His, what is his purpose? Because even in the midst of our difficulties, of our trials, of our infirmities, of those things that we're experiencing, the thorn in the side of the Apostle Paul was there to keep him humble. Sometimes those things are keeping us from being prideful. Uh, perhaps uh, working uh, God's desire in our lives to be conformed to His likeness, to be transformed by the work of the Spirit according to His Word that we would resemble him a little bit more. You know, this morning we see this pursuit to be healed, specifically for this paralyzed man to be healed by the friends of the paralyzed man. D.L. Moody said this, quote, If our circumstances find us in God, we shall find God in all our circumstances, close quote. In the story of the paralytic who was healed, we will see a visible faith. 
we will also see a controversy arise between Jesus and the religious leaders and how it was that Jesus offered proof that he is indeed the Son of Man. And we'll see how all Son of Man and how all of this comes together. Now, the Son of Man is a reference to the Messiah, as I will also make note of as far as what Daniel had written. So we'll see three things. One, a saving faith. Number two, a forgiving God. And number three, a healed man. Let's start out with a saving faith. Again, starting from the top, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. says, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the, at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So, <clears throat> Jesus, remember, leading up to this point... Um, he had been out and about, and he was out preaching the gospel. So at this point, he had returned from preaching the gospel to preach the gospel just one more time, to teach the word of God. He had been preaching the word, proclaiming the gospel, telling the people, as it says in chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. At this point, Jesus had called on some to follow him. We had gone through that. Peter and his brother Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were all called on by the Lord, and, and they left all to follow Jesus. Jesus had entered the synagogue in Capernaum and taught with authority. Remember how it was that people were astonished that he was teaching with his own authority. He healed a man with an unclean spirit and had healed many people at Peter's home, including Peter's mother-in-law. And while Jesus was out of town, he had this leper that approached him, and he healed the leper as well. But Jesus' priority was not to heal but to preach the gospel. Because in back again in chapter 1, verse 37, it says, And they found him, that is his disciples, and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He didn't say he came out to, to heal everyone physically. He said, that is why my purpose is to go and preach the good news. But the priority of many was not the gospel. We can say that is true today. The priority of many is still not the gospel. It's the same thing we can apply today as we discern the days in which we're living and as we are also wise and we know the word of God and we know why people sometimes come and, and what they're seeking is not the gospel, but their own healing, 
their own deliverance, their own goals, their own purpose for seeking a God who can do the impossible. They were seeking, many were seeking Jesus to be healed. Their priority was not the gospel, but their physical healing. And Jesus did indeed heal many, but we need to ask the question, why? Why did he heal so many? Does, does that matter to many? Does the answer to that question even matter to you? And it should matter to you. Why the emphasis on preaching rather than healing? Well, Jesus returned from preaching. And I want to keep, help you just keep that in the back of your mind. Why? And what was his emphasis? Because Jesus returned from preaching, and when the people gathered to him, he started to preach the word of God. Even then, you know why they came to him. They, they were gathering. They were coming from everywhere. everywhere. Once they heard that he was, he was at home, they came, and so many gathered together that, that the home was filled, even the doorway. You can, I mean, the fire marshal come, and he would have emptied the whole place out, right? It, it was a fire hazard. There were a lot of people there gathered together. And he didn't start just healing people. I, I know you, John, and Jim, and Randy, and you, and like, you all need healing, so come. No. What was he doing? He was preaching. Preaching the word of God. You know, Psalm 119, verses 129 and 130 says this. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. In Psalm 125.1, says those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved, but abides forever. He was sharing the word of God that people would come to believe and exercise their faith that this is truly the Son of Man. And this is the wonderful testimony that Jesus desired for them to know and to trust in. That he is the Son of God who has come to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah, to set the captives free, but it was not a political deliverance that he came to fulfill. It was not a physical healing that he came to perform, but a spiritual one through his death on the cross by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And as Jesus was preaching, he was teaching the word. You can just imagine these four men brought their paralyzed friend to be healed by Jesus. But it, it was full, so all the way to the door, and you can just imagine people looking in from the outside, and there was no way for them to get in. It seems that no one was willing to let them in. You know, you have four, four men carrying this paralyzed man. You would think that someone would move out of the way, but no one moved out of the way. They were, they were hanging on every word that Jesus was teaching. 
They weren't willing to be disturbed or distracted by this man, these men that were bringing even this paralyzed man. And by the way, Jesus didn't correct that. Because the important thing was again the healing that God desires to impart upon each and every one of us by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, for these four men, they didn't take a, a full house to mean that they couldn't do this thing. So they took the back stairs, they went up to the roof, and the words that are, are uh, written here, it says that they removed the roof above him as if there was some kind of a, a door up there, like, I just slide the, the part of the roof away and, and let some sun in and we'll bring him in. No, no, no. So in the original, it, it, it's actually saying that they, they tore the roof apart. Can you imagine being the owner of that house? <laughs> you you're perhaps down there listening to Jesus teach and, and you kind of feel something on the back of your head and you think, wow, you know, it's like some dust is coming down. That's interesting, right? And pretty soon you, you see more and more pieces of thatch and some, some, uh, perhaps some mud coming down on you, some, some hardened clay. And you think, what is happening up there? And then just an opening starts to develop. Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But Jesus continued to, to preach. I'm sure other people, though, were wondering what was going on. Listen, these men could have waited outside. But who knows how long Jesus was going to preach, right? And after all, they were not there to hear Jesus preach but rather to get this man healed. That was their agenda. That was their purpose for being there and doing what they did. And that was the reason why they did what they did to the house. They went up to the roof and tore a a hole in the roof. They lowered their friend. They were seeking Jesus so that he would heal this man of paralysis. So what does Jesus do? Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Jesus saw their faith. It was a visible display of faith in Jesus, believing that he could, he had the authority to do what only God could do, and that he would heal their friend. I ask you this question because for them, this was a, a, an outward expression of an inward reality. The question for us is, is your faith in word and thought only, or is it visible? How should it be? Is it just in thought, the things you say? Sometimes we, um, we can learn how to speak. We can even encourage others by what we say, but yet in our own lives, when it comes to the integrity of our faith, we fail. And it's, you know, it it only serves to cause us to fall short of knowing this beautiful relationship with the God who can. 
Listen, James 2.17 is very plain and simple. It is written, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Not could be dead. It is dead. A faith that is not expressed outwardly. One that is only in thought and deed is not is only in thought and word, excuse me, is, is dead if it is not acted upon. We cannot say also over and over, ah, my bad. You know, there comes a point where we need to accept full responsibility and allow ourselves to be held accountable and quit excusing our actions on our personality or just, you know, Man, stupid me, I did it again. Well, quit doing it, stupid. I mean, there comes a point to where it's, come on, man. You know, I remember uh, Edward, Pastor Edward Amaya, how it is that he, he, was, he was saying at the very beginning, I don't know if he caught this, uh, <clears throat> he was making reference to me, and he was saying, well, you know, um, I am a pastor, he said, but... Um, I am not called to pastor a church, right? And he said, because, you know, how many times uh, do you have to be told, taught the word of God, and then you not just follow through and do it, like act on it? You wonder why your marriage is like being torn apart to shreds? You wonder why your life is in shambles, and he, and he said this, I, I, would, I would probably be inclined to, to throw the pulpit. Listen, we need to humble ourselves. We need to heed God's word. We need to do what we know we should do. It's time to quit saying what we know and start doing what we know to be true. And that's all of us. All of us need to walk this out and be sincere and faithful toward God and Him alone. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. Well, these friends... Upon their display of faith, Jesus declared that the paralyzed friend's sins were forgiven. Now, just imagine for a moment, these four friends, they were there to bring the paralyzed friend to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him. And what does Jesus do? He turns to this man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Wait, what? Listen, God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Spiritually speaking, God desires salvation above physical healing even. Otherwise, in that moment, the deathbed or the, the dying confession of, of a, a man or a woman would be worthless. It would be in that moment that we would be, instead of asking for God to reveal his son to this person who is dying, we would rather at that moment, like these four men, 
We would be asking, please, you know, at this very moment, please perform this miracle. Listen, the greatest miracle that we can experience is the miracle of salvation. That is the most important miracle that we could experience this side of heaven. Otherwise, we are going to spend eternity in hell. That's it. Because even if a person is healed physically, at some point, we're going to die. And without a saving faith, that person that was healed will, with the two legs that they were given to walk on, will walk right into hell. What if God sees your faith and says, son, your sins are forgiven? Do you understand that that is greater than any physical healing you can experience? Well, this statement that Jesus made caused some religious leaders to be disturbed. It caused a stir in the room as the man lay there. And get this, he was still paralyzed. Let's continue on. Verse 6 says, Um, Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? The focus is now a turn to what Jesus just said. And not, not the fact that this man had just been lowered through this hole in the roof. At this moment, Jesus discerned, either divinely or he just saw the countenance in these men's faces and he knew exactly what they were thinking because of what he just spoke. And he confronted them. Why is this so troubling for you? He confronted the scribes. These were religious leaders. They were well versed in the word of God, in the law of Moses. They knew that to declare that someone is forgiven of their sins is to commit blasphemy if it isn't God. Because that was something that only God could do. Jesus knew this and he knew that they had not yet believed that he who taught and preached was the Son of Man, the Son of God who was sent by the Father, the Messiah, the proclaimed and prophesied Messiah. It's interesting that Jesus asked them this question. Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or to say rise, take up your bed and walk? I guess you could say in a very true sense, neither one is easy to say. But if you think about it, salvation is not immediately seen, but a healing is. Especially if we're talking about a paralyzed man. A man that everyone knew was paralyzed. Which is easier to say, and he specified this. He said, 
which is easier to say to the paralytic? You see, both are impossible for a man to accomplish. Nobody can accomplish that. But for God, both are equally possible. With God, we know nothing is impossible. But please again notice what God preferred. Was it a healing faith or a saving faith? The answer is found in what Jesus first said to the man. And if we consider why Jesus came, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God prefers that we exercise a saving faith. If God were to do nothing more in your life right now, if you're here perhaps for something else, that God, because many people come to church thinking uh, or, or desiring, God, fix this. And what God desires is to fix your heart. Your heart. To get it right as far as your relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, to yield to Him. What if in this moment, if you're looking for something else and what He offers to you is salvation and you come to know salvation through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, if that's the only thing you get out of today in this very moment, is it worth it? Absolutely. You know, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess our sins, if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And you speak this. Why do you speak this? It's because it's a, an outward confession of an inward reality. To confess Jesus to everyone is to testify of the reality of salvation in our own hearts. Why wouldn't we declare that? Acts 4.12 and there's salvation in no one else, for there's uh, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And we know that according to 2 Peter 3.9, that God desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God sent his son to pay for the sins of the world, according to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. And by his grace, through faith, people would know the forgiveness of their sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But listen, Jesus didn't want the scribes or anyone else there or anyone here to doubt whether he was or was not the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Son of God, but rather he desired that they know that he is God. And he can not only forgive sins, but he can also heal. Why is that? Because he is God. That's the whole purpose of performing these miracles so that the people would, would have no doubt whatsoever. This is God. A saving faith. We also have a forgiving God. And we see here a healed man. Verse 10 says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. 
And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. We need to understand that up to this point, this this man still lay there before Jesus. And how it was that the scribes, they just, they, they were in their hearts questioning these things. And Jesus answered their questions. It wasn't even spoken. But this man lay there, this whole conversation, this whole exchange, and how it is that Jesus confronted these scribes, it, it was all while the man still lay there paralyzed. The owner of the home was still scratching his head, wondering about this hole in his roof. There was tension in the room as the scribes were confronted. The people were listening to Jesus preaching at this very moment. It came to a screeching halt, and yet the teaching did not come to a screeching halt. It was a moment where everyone was paying attention and something very important was going to take place. The scribes still not, did not believe that Jesus was the Son of Man. This, by the way, is a messianic title that was referenced back in Daniel chapter 7. It means this is a, the King of Glory. He is to come and judge the world. Listen, it was for the benefit. You love God. Again, he is consistent in his character through and through. For the sake of the unbelieving scribes, that they would know that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus told the man, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. When God says that he desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance, it's true for everyone. The religious leaders, even those that he calls hypocrites, those who he confronts, doesn't desire that they would perish. This was for the sake of the scribes. He says, so that you would know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. For your sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal this paralyzed man also. And he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he did that very moment. Jesus did this so that there would no longer be a question in their hearts whether he could or could not, or if Jesus was a son of man or not. This should settle the matter. Jesus was, therefore, he could, and he did prove it. Jesus, in a very simple and effortless way, proved that he was the Son of Man. By his word, that was it. That's all he had to do. Remember how it was that the world was created? It was... Spoken by the very word of God. And it was done. Do you think that was any more difficult for God to do than perform this miracle or forgive his sins? No, not at all. Again, the consistency of God. If we failed, if 
we fail to believe that God, by his word, spoke the world into creation and motion and sustains it by his word, then we'll have problems believing this as well. And we'll have problems believing that he's able to save. If he can and he does, and he is able, why would your salvation be any more difficult? To you, it is only to believe, and it is. When the man got up and walked, he walked out. At that moment, I could just imagine the room. The room was just in awe. They were all amazed. And they glorified God by confessing that they had never seen anything like what they had just witnessed. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful testimony of what Jesus did, but it was all for one reason, and that was to prove that he is a son of man. A saving faith, a forgiving God, a healed man. Why are you here? Why do you pray? Do you pray? What does Jesus desire for you? All questions we should be able to answer. These men had faith and they brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, something that he could not do on his own. You know, in light of everything that we've covered this morning, and perhaps the Lord has just done a work in your own heart in many different ways, and I hope in the number of people here that, that the number of works that he's done is just individual as well as corporate. Think of this. Like these four men that were willing to bring their paralyzed friend, I would encourage you to be that friend that does this very same thing for others. Pray for them, invite them, bring them to where Jesus is worshipped and where his word is preached, that they too would come to believe and be forgiven of their sins. Sometimes people are looking for different things and expecting different things from God. Just lead them to Jesus and let, let them do that have, have a, an interaction with him and, and allow Jesus to minister to them and do that work on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Whatever the, the reason, just lead them to Christ and pray that God would open up their eyes and their hearts would be softened to his grace and his forgiveness, that they would yield to his authority and surrender their whole lives to him. Do you have a paralyzed friend? Or are you that paralyzed friend? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And again, the question that we need to answer is will you believe? See, God desires to forgive. 
that you would exercise a saving faith, confessing your sins and crying out to Jesus to save you. That you may be fully healed, delivered from condemnation and may come to know the hope of heaven. And knowing that, you will one day be with God in all of his glory because you are indeed a child of God. By the grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, with grateful hearts. Lord, considering considering your grace, considering your love and your kindness, Lord, I pray that we would be drawn even more unto you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we have come to know salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And yet, Lord, there are many, even still today, that are looking to you for something else. Lord, they have another agenda for you to fulfill. But I pray, Lord, that as we sit here today, Lord, that we would realize that above all, our greatest need is, is not to be delivered of any ailment, physical, economic, social, whatever it is, but rather the spiritual ailment. Lord, the condemnation that we are in because of our unrepented of sin. And I pray, Lord, that we would cry out to you, that we would confess Jesus as Lord and express that faith with action, desiring to bless and honor you. And I, and I pray, Lord, that that deliverance would extend to anyone who's watching on, uh, on the live stream or watching this at any other time. And all who are here, Lord, that they would respond to your love, your kindness, and your offer, Lord, of salvation and grace through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this morning. We pray, Lord, that this word would resonate in our hearts and we would meditate on it, think on it, Lord, and realize how it is that you desire that we would simply believe and trust in you and cling to you. We thank you, Father, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.